0: you're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer. I am here with my Michigan football buddy and co-host, Matt
1: Hartwell. Mr. Hartwell, how are you doing? Fantastic, man. Victory Tuesday, uh, or Victory Monday for us this time. Uh, for those that don't know, we record this pod on uh, on Sundays, so we're getting to it a little bit late. My buddy here, Mike, traveling the globe to uh, to see your Michigan Wolverines in person. Buddy, how was your, uh, your time last week? How'd it go?
0: Man, the big house is spectacular, as always. Um, it's always a good time to watch Michigan football in Ann Arbor brought my 18-month-old daughter and uh you know the plane trip with a 1-year-old is <laughs> is never never easy but it was worth it she was um and I don't know if you guys saw this on the the TV broadcast but she was like half excited about the game but she was really excited about the dog there was a, a frisbee catching dog named Victor uh, that like halftime in breaks was doing some tricks. And so Hudson really enjoyed Victor the dog. I enjoyed, uh, JJ and the
1: squad. So everybody was happy. I didn't catch, uh, Victor the, uh, Frisbee dog, but very happy to hear Hudson enjoyed it. Uh, looked like she got to photobomb a couple of, uh, sweet picks that, uh, that I peeped online. So cool that she got to meet Mr. Brandstatter and, uh, also, Duncan Robinson, one of my personal favorites in Michigan basketball. So, hell yeah, man. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, you know, uh,
0: meeting Duncan Robinson was really cool because he's, he's escalated to, you know, 90-plus million-dollar contract superstar NBA player. But to me, meeting Jim Branstadter was a bigger deal. You know, everybody that's a Michigan football fan knows what he has meant to Michigan football. So I I genuinely just thanked him for uh you know what he's done for us as a Michigan football community. That was cool. I also made a little bit of an announcement uh this week at the game. We we always make our big announcements in front of the Michigan football at block M at the stadium. Um I will be having my second child, uh, a baby boy. Uh so we're adding to the Smeltzer family and I'm going to announce it right here on the Big House Bleachers podcast. His name will be Woodson.
1: Love it. Hudson and Woodson. Hell yeah, buddy. That's right. You know, Congratulations I, I, as well, my friend. Loved that announcement from uh, you and the wife on socials. That was uh, really awesome to see. Even very clever to uh, include a little ode to the new scoreboards on there. I gotta say, uh, I, I would have, you would have had to have calmed me down when you met uh, Jim Brandstatter. I'd probably have to like slide him some some cash on the side to like do a quick narration of like my life so I could keep it for years to come. Uh, but sounds like an excellent trip, man. Checked a lot of boxes. I personally can't wait myself to make it to the uh, Bowling Green game this week. You and I were talking uh, before hopping on the show, moving offices this week uh, for my business. So very hectic Um, in the midst of it. Obviously, you've got traveling and then the game. So uh, it's just a very hectic week for me. So it's going to be really refreshing to watch some Michigan football at the end of all of it. Yeah, and it's just a
0: reminder to all of our Michigan football fans out there that they are not alone. I know most of our listeners – do not live in Ann Arbor. Uh, I reside in Texas. Matt resides in Florida. And we represent Michigan Nation all the way around the country. And we we try to make it to the Big House at least a few times a year. I know you and I will both be at the Ohio State game. Uh, We've got a lot of really good things to talk about this episode. But first, let me remind everybody that the Big House Bleachers podcast is brought to you by Fanatics. Fanatics is the one-stop shop for all your game day swag. Go ahead and get out your phone now or laptop, whatever you're listening to the iPad on. Go to the description of the BHB pod, and right there you'll find a link that'll take you directly to the Fanatics Michigan swag and merchandise page. Get yourself some game day gear uh, and go blue. Uh, All right, man, let's jump right in. Let's talk a little bit about uh, our Lord and Savior, the meditating messiah, the happy faced assassin on his way to break the Michigan past passing touchdown record. Julius James. Julius James McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, he is uh having himself a uh, a non-con schedule thus far. Uh I don't have any particular talking points other than you know that I've been tracking Chad Henney's two thousand and four uh Season where he had 25 passing touchdowns Uh, at this point in the season. Henny had three through two games. JJ McCarthy currently has five. So we are rocking and rolling. We are on pace for the record. The record must go down, uh, but they're slinging the rock. They're letting him pass it. Matt, uh, what does it feel like to you to finally be watching
1: a Michigan team that is letting the ball sail? I mean, it's just crazy, man. Uh, I tweeted it out while the game was happening. You know, J.J. McCarthy is transforming into who we all knew that he would be right before our very eyes here in uh, 2023. The throws that this guy is making, man, uh, on the move, in the pocket, his awareness in the pocket, decision making down the field. It's just checking all the boxes, man. He's, He's scoring out of this world. Uh, per all of the the key aggregates, PFF obviously uh, being one of them, but he's just crushing it, man. I mean, Michigan fans haven't seen anything like this from their quarterback in a long time. Obviously, you can reference Chad Henney, but I mean, even Chad Henney, man, he wasn't, wasn't dropping dimes like this. So uh, Wolverine fans are having to kind of like quell that excitement a little bit because uh, I mean, the possibilities are just endless if he can continue this forward momentum. What are what were your uh, initial thoughts following his uh, r- record setting last couple of weeks, from what I understand? Yeah, well, I was thinking, I'm
0: glad you brought up PFF, because I was thinking as the game was unfolding uh, yesterday, or actually a couple days ago now, Saturday, uh, his passing completion percentage was so high I was thinking, I wonder how PFF is going to grade this guy because every time he, he ran, which was just a couple of times, there was a couple designed runs, which there's been some jokes about whether or not Jim Harbaugh would have allowed that to happen if he were on the sidelines. I think he would have. I, I think it was part of the game plan. But he basically wasn't making any mistakes. There was one, maybe two throws that were like a miscommunication, a little arid Everything else was spot on. So I was curious about where he would rank with uh, PFF. And just to put this in perspective, there are literally hundreds of quarterbacks that have taken snaps this season so far. JJ McCarthy graded out as the number one quarterback in all of the nation through two games. So I know there's haters out there saying, well, yeah, it's Bowling Green and I'm sorry, we haven't even played Bowling Green yet. It's UNLV, it's uh, East Carolina. And that's a good point, right? It's going to matter more when we play stiffer competition. And so we're not going to hang the banners quite yet. But number one, I mean, that's where you want to see your guy. And so uh, it is just a breath of fresh air to have JJ performing at this level. Uh, Speaking of this level... We got some game balls to hand out. It's time for...
1: This guy right here and this guy right here.
0: Let's do our legendary and famous this guy right here segment to hand out these game balls. Matt, I will let you do the honors. Who is
1: your this guy right here? Absolutely. And uh, expanding our usual tradition for this guy right here, usually only being for one person, just to account for some of these absolutely savage performances that we saw on uh, on Sunday. Since you're giving me the honors of first pick, I just got to go with the obvious guy on defense, Kenneth Grant. My God. I mean, the man is just a force. Uh, I, I couldn't have projected that we'd see this kind of output from him in the first two weeks. Um, I mean, maybe, but not head and shoulders above the rest of the guys on this uh, this Michigan defensive line. Kenneth Grant has just been playing lights out. Uh, four tackles on Saturday, one and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. He was just leveling shit. So Kenneth Grant definitely gets my number one pick uh, if we're handling out. This guy right here, advice. and this guy right here. That's
0: right, Kenneth Grant. What an amazing pick, man. I don't know how I skimmed over the game in my mind and didn't pick him because you're right. He is a force. And actually that whole interior defensive line is looking incredible. But I actually went to the exterior of the defensive line for my this guy right here. And it might not be the guy you would think. So this is a guy that I haven't really been a, a champion for. I, I support all Michigan players. Um I just... I've been really outspoken in support of certain guys in the last couple of years. This is a guy that was supposed to break out several times. We never really saw it from him. Uh, he's been good, but he hasn't been great. And I don't know if this translated um, on TV, but in person, I believe that he had the most impactful game that he's had thus far as a Michigan Wolverine. I am talking about Braden McGregor. Braden McGregor played a fantastic game he He was very active, very disruptive he was you know providing a lot of pressure. I think when it was all said and done, they only gave him half a sack. I think that was what he might have logged about five tackles
1: or so uh I but think he was a- they, uh, counted it as a tackle for loss if I'm not mistaken, but it just exploded up the gut on that play. I was so proud as uh, somebody that's overly critical of Braden McGregor often. Uh, it was lovely to see that tweeted something about it from the Maze and Brew account. So excellent pick, buddy. And I easily could have picked Jalen Harrell
0: or even Derek Moore on the, you know, like the, the, the defensive line uh, that actually we're going to get to that a little later. So we're going to, we're not going to exhaust that right now. So uh, both of us went to the D line, this game, Kenneth Grant, And Brayden McGregor are this guy right here and this guy right here. Well, let's keep this thing rolling, Matt. I want to know what this week had you saying.
1: Sheesh. Absolutely, man. And this and this week off for my sheesh, I'm going a little off the grid from what you might expect. And this guy really just doesn't get a ton of love from Michigan Nation. So I'm going to shine a little bit of love his way. Cornelius Johnson, Uh, I know that this segment, we usually narrow it down to a specific play. If I had to narrow it down to a play, I'd probably even narrow it down to that. uh, I think it was like a jet sweep that we saw him in, uh, just doing a whole lot of things that we're not used to seeing uh, from Cornelius early in the regular season, over 100 all-purpose yards uh, on the day. So Cornelius Johnson definitely sheesh for my for uh, for my pick on that one. Sheesh!
0: You and I must be just like connected through the Michigan waves in the universe right now because we are staying consistent with position groups. You know, there's not one particular play that had me saying sheesh, but when I just think about the season so far, there's only one guy that well. The, There's more than one guy, but there's one guy that I'm just like, this is far more than even I expected. And this was the guy that I was riding his train hard from the beginning. Roman Wilson has me saying, sheesh. I mean, Trill Roman, you've got yourself five touchdowns in the first two weeks uh, all over the place, clearly living up to that iconic number one jersey. He's a little bit, I think I, I got to do the math. He might be a little off pace for that, the thousand yard year. He's like right around there. I'm, I am I, I predict predicted a thousand yard season for, for Roman. And I guess technically it would, it would depend on how many games Michigan plays, but he's on pace. I think he's going to rack up a lot of yardage. I think he's going to be the number one option, which I love because Cornelius Johnson is such a sneaky guy on the other side of the field. It's like, Roman's taken all the the attention, and Cornelius is just staying consistent and so far, maybe having his best year ever, at least from, from you know at this point in the season. Uh, so Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson both get a.
1: Sheesh. I love it. <clears throat> the wide receivers have just been playing out of their minds the last couple weeks. Both of them, I think, right on on pace with each other yardage wise. So you just love to see it out of the passing game. You and I's agendas are are neck and neck with each other uh, as far as Cornelius and Roman go. But uh, excellent pick, buddy. Well, and speaking of agendas, it's just nice like when when you've
0: when you're early in the year and you know that your stars aren't going to play in the fourth quarter. A lot of times you are just hoping that the guys in the back of your head that are possible Heisman contenders, you just hope they get in the end zone. You want to make sure that they're keeping into their stats up. And so to see Roman get two, to see JJ get two, and then to see Blake Corum get three, I, it was everything you want from a individual performance perspective, because those are the guys that you think at the end of the year may warrant an invite to New York. If everything goes according to plan as a team. And so It was nice to see that, Um, you know, and it was nice to see some other things. Let's just casually talk about some of these position groups. I I know you sent me some notes on some, some groups you wanted to talk about. First and foremost, the offensive line. I feel like this is maybe the biggest point of contention amongst Michigan fans right now. There's a lot of differing opinions about how they feel about how the offensive line has performed this year. And um, I've got some differing feelings kind of all together myself, but Matt, I'm curious, how do you feel about that O-line so far?
1: The offensive line, is that's a good question. I thought, first and foremost, I thought that each of those, uh, each of the three position groups that we kind of knocked last week uh, stepped up in a big way this week, some more than most. I think the offensive line did exceptionally well this this week. Um, you'd obviously like to see more holes being opened up for the run game, uh, more Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum breaking through those gaps, but that'll come, you know. So for this week, I've uh, increased their grade from I think I had them at a C last week. This week I move them up to a B. So. Moving on up, still some things to improve upon. But, man, those guys were very much improved from where they were at week one. Uh, Not sure how I feel about the coaching choice to go with the exact same guys from week one. It paid dividends, as you can see. But still some guys that we haven't seen just yet. I'll save some of that for one of our later segments. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, how would you feel about the offensive line this week?
0: Well, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm I, going to give them a question mark. You know, I'm not even going to give them a letter grade because it's a little bit of a head scratcher. It's kind of confusing. So you get them in goal line scenarios, and then Blake Corum runs right up the A-gap and, and scores, and you're like, that's Michigan. Like, that's what the O-line does. And and you feel good about things. Um, and then I don't want to spoil one of our later segments either because I have I have a little kind of O-line you know, running back related thing coming up, but yeah, there were some other times where it's like, okay, where's the push? You know, we're, we're playing clearly an inferior opponent. You would expect the O-line to get about a two yard push just from the jump every single play. And I know that these teams are stacking the box and I know they've got, uh, well, at least these first two teams, they had very suspect secondaries and so Michigan was not afraid to throw it on first and second down, um, and it's a little bit of a pick your poison, and, and, and I've talked about this before, if you want JJ to pass the ball more and throw it on first down, that's cool, he can do that, we're going to see that, but there is a benefit to wearing down that the opponent's defensive line early in the game, and it it is a formula that we've used to win Big Ten championships in the last two weeks, and so I'm not saying that we need to switch it all the way back to twenty twenty one Washington, where we ran the ball you know a hundred straight times. but i I do think there will be some games later in the year where we maybe see them revert to grind it out, take three yards and occasionally nine yards up the middle, really pound it out, wear the defense out because. That's how we beat Ohio State. That's how we we've worn down other teams in the past. Um so the O-line for me uh doesn't get a grade because I'm confused by them just in general. I just want to see more um and we'll talk I have I have a feeling we're going to talk a little bit about some of the rotational players there later so I won't spoil your what's the deal or anything. It's here. A, that's
1: an interesting point though, Mike, about uh, the offensive line saw him have a lot of success in the second half of a lot of games last season. You have to wonder if some of that was attributed to the offensive line's ability to be strong all throughout the game and wear down their opponent via multiple run plays. So you have to think that might be something that uh, is a bit of an adjustment for this O-line this season. So really good point there.
0: Pass protection looks good, though, and I, I think that that's J.J.'s mobility that's helping them look good, but they're giving J.J. exactly what he needs, right? It's, it's night and day from a guy like Cade McNamara. Like I'm not, I'm not here to shit on Cade McNamara, but we know damn well that Cade would have gone down a couple of times where J.J. just his maneuverability keeps the play alive. Even a couple of those touchdown throws to Roman Wilson that we've seen where the pocket was moving, right? The pocket was collapsing a little bit, uh, but the O-line stays intact long enough for J.J. to get his eyes downfield. And so I really give them an A-grade in pass protection just because they're giving the quarterback what he needs. And I'm going to give this two-time Joe Moore award-winning O-line the benefit of the doubt. You know, like they haven't really done anything wrong. It just hasn't been the smash mouth up the gut football that we've seen in the past. There was one play that I think is my favorite play of the game from this last week against UNLV. It was a third and seven that we really needed to keep the drive alive. And we ran the ball with Blake Corum uh, in in between the tackles. And he picked it up. And so for me, if they're still doing stuff like that on a third and seven, then that means the coaching staff has faith in them. The the O-line has confidence. Corum and McCarthy have confidence in, in getting the ball up the gut for a first down. And so I don't think we have anything to worry about. Uh, let's talk about that pass rush, man. Uh, how are you feeling about the pass rush, which was actually a big question mark after week one? Uh, not not really a question mark anymore, is it?
1: Not at all. I, I mean, the pass rush was my what's the deal last week. So I got to fall on my own sword a little bit there because – Boy, was I wrong about the pass rush in this one. They were a nuisance uh, for at least the entirety of the first half, getting a lot of rest there in that second half. So can't be too mad about the drop off from five sacks in the first half to none in the second. But uh, just loved everything that I saw out of the guys that you've wanted to see something out of, right? Uh, Kenneth Grant, probably one of my favorite surprises so far of the first couple games. Not that we didn't know that he was going to be great, but I think Mason Graham, Chris Jenkins, those would have been kind of, uh, kind of been uh, more of the names I would have expected to take his place through these first couple games. But uh, Kenneth Grant, also Chris Jenkins and Mason Graham, can't leave them out at all because Mason Graham uh, graded out better than all of them per PFF highest graded guy on the team while also accounting for several sacks, TFLs, you name it. Uh, And then Chris Jenkins getting in on the fun as well. So the interior was outstanding. The edges were outstanding. My guy, Jalen Harrell, uh, as you know, I think I put his over under during one of our pods this off season at like eight. Uh, I was kind of second guessing that leading up to the season, but Man, he exploded in this uh, Week 2 match, so really happy to see that. Also, Derek Moore, Braden McGregor. Loved seeing those guys get on the action and just the whole D-line get involved. I moved my grade up from uh, from whatever I had them last week. I think it was like a C- minus to an A+. plus. I think this is one of the best games that they could have had. It's against UNLV, so tongue-in-cheek a little bit but uh this was what they needed. I think this sets them on a good path going forward.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to jump right in and tell you I also give them an A+. Uh at the game in the stadium, it was very apparent that D-line was active, you know, and if if we were playing a competitive opponent where into the fourth quarter, we needed to continue, you know, keeping the starters in and blitzing and, you know, creatively rushing the quarterback and we they would have just kept eating. You could tell uh, it it was easy. It was fun, you know. It, when when the guys are out there having fun, that's when they uh, perform the best. And it was fun for those guys. Um, I don't know it was because fun I have for me watching it. It was fun for me, man. I don't know uh, if maybe I'll see more from him when I rewatched the television broadcast, but it felt like Josiah Stewart was a little quiet in that game. I didn't really, I don't recall him making any big plays.
1: Am I off there? Did he, did he make some big plays? You know, I really didn't see him pop either. Um, I listened, I've listened to a couple uh, pods and interviews and things like that since the game. And I've heard uh, kind of another take on him. So I've heard he was a a little bit disruptive, and maybe I'm just missing it. But uh, overall, I think a good game from from the edge room. I I think I'll lean more in the direction of taking everybody's word for it and just hoping that all of them had a great game. But would love to see Josiah Stewart get on the board uh, this week with a sack of his own. Man, I don't know
0: if this is true or not, but I'm in a group text with my fantasy football group right now, and somebody just said, they think Aaron Rodgers just tore his Achilles. So <laughs> I, I it might, that might not be true. My friends can, what, can over-exaggerate things, but I just saw that pop up. So by the time our fans are listening to this podcast, they're absolutely going to know <laughs> whether or not that was true or not. I just thought I'd bring that up. That would be wild. Um, and I'm not worried about Josiah Stewart, man. Getting back to uh, Josiah, he he was very active in, in week one a uh, very solid player. And I think he fits right in. It's just, uh, w- uh, and a lot of times, you know, when the edges are performing, it, there, there's like an assist on the defensive line. Every time there's a sack, there's an assist. And Mozzie Smith was like the greatest assist man when it came, you know, he would go up there and eat up two bodies and then somebody else would get the sack. And so uh, maybe when we rewatch, we'll see that Josiah Stewart was actually doing quite a bit. Um, in fact, in fact, I, I, Bet that's the case, um, but your boy Jalen Harrell got two in a row, two in a row, and I, I think on the stat sheet it counted as one and a half. But he he ha- he got both of those. I mean, that was him. Like he got both of those right there. So I thought that was something to be excited about. Um, let's talk special teams. That was the other area that you, that you wanted to talk about. So
1: how are you feeling about special teams? Well, you know, uh, it was pretty unremarkable, and that what makes and that's what makes me kind of want to remark about it. Honestly, Mike, <laughs> uh, we're just used to such greatness on the special teams end. We've been spoiled with Jake Moody, uh, Brad Robbins, and uh, AJ Henning on most of our special teams plays. So there's always been something to remark about it, but. You know, I moved them up this week just for the sake of uh, not missing any any uh, extra points or anything like that, but only to uh, a C plus. So I, I move them from a C minus to a C plus this week. Jake Thaw out there returning punts, who who was okay, uh, had probably one of the most awkward punt returns that I've ever seen at one point. Um, so I mean, it's it's also kind of a sp- question mark for me right now if I'm being honest but how how'd you feel about special teams this week how'd it look to you in person the special teams play I feel like special teams is the
0: one unit where unremarkable is fine you know like unremarkable is okay because it means you didn't do anything to blow the game you didn't muff any punts you didn't shank any field goals like I'll take unremarkable um so for me I'll give them like a just a straight B. Just a B because that was fine. But I do have something to say about the special teams and kick returning and, and punt returning specifically since you brought it up. It's time to let Tyler Morris cook. Let him eat back there. You can see, see it, man. He is ready. So I, I actually think that he's going to be the starting punt returner. We, we know that Tyler Morris was uh, banged up. And so when Jake Thaw came out week one, that was the one guy I was like, Jake Thaw, like what, what, what are we doing right now? And no offense to him. I mean, like he's actually done a really good job. He's fielded some punts. He's hadn't turned the ball over. He's been good. But Tyler Morris uh, took a punt or two yesterday and he didn't do anything too special, but you could just see it in his first step or two. He's got that like, Rodney in him. Oh yeah. He's ready. He's got that special teams dog in him. He's ready to go. I am going to go ahead and make a predict. You know what? Screw it. We got pump the brakes coming up. I'll just I'll just do it here in a little bit. Um Oh, I, well, I tell you what. That's a good let's segue. Run it. Pump- let's just
1: lead into let's just, the pump the brakes. I've got a mission right prediction too, so we can just ride it out and go down together. Let's go, man. Uh, so for all
0: of our listeners, anybody that's new Pump the brakes is just an opportunity for me and Matt to give a spicy take, and if the other one uh, disagrees, they'll say pump the brakes, and you will hear. And of course, if they agree with the with the take, they'll just say keep driving. So I'm gonna run with with this theme we've got going on right now. I'm I'm excited right now, so I'm going to predict it. Tyler Morris is going to return a punt. For a touchdown, not just this season. I'm gonna say in the next three games, in the next three games, we're gonna see Tyler Morris break one for a touchdown. How do you feel about
1: that? Ooh, that's a that's an extra spicy one. There's a little bit of spice on that. Uh, I'm gonna pump the brakes on you. I'm gonna do it. Half of it's just for the sake of pumping the brakes, because I think you're just going to ride it out with me. (laughs) But uh, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic on that one. I do think it's time to let Tyler Morris cook. Uh, I think he's going to get that opportunity. I don't know if he's going to take one back in the next three games, but I'm optimistic about uh, seeing him towards the end there on Saturday. And I think that... He'll be our next uh, our next guide to make some positive contributions at that spot. I'm gonna keep it moving. There's been a lot made of Donovan Edwards, Blake Coram's numbers over the the last couple weeks. Their lack of production, specifically Donovan Edwards' lack of production, my agenda has taken a major hit because of it. Uh, I've been a big big team Dono advocate all off season long. Uh, so. Really hurts my agenda, but this upcoming week, Mike, I think all of that comes to an end. I think we see Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, both explode for over a hundred yards against the Bowling Green State University, and I think this atrocious rushing stigma that we've seen over the last couple weeks uh, and the naysayers finally gets put to rest. So 200 yards combined, Blake and Dono book it against Bowling Green this weekend.
0: Oh, man. I'm going to pump the brakes. And here's what I think will happen. I I actually think you're exactly right. I think Blake and Donovan are going to kill it in this game. I just don't think we're going to see either of them in the fourth quarter. And so I think what we could see is like 120 rushing yards from Blake, like 89 from Donovan or something. I'm kind of nitpicking now, but I just think, I think one of them might stay like high, but under. And, and the reason for that is because it's not the the 2021 or 2022 Michigan Wolverines. This is the 2023 Michigan Wolverines where JJ McCarthy throws touchdowns in the first quarter you know so like I feel like uh for me we're more likely going to see JJ continue his uh fantastic start uh I do agree that Donovan and Blake we've got nothing to worry about that they're going to to break out in this game I think Bowling Green is not going to know what hit them uh but getting them both over a hundred—that's kind of rare, even even for a, a backfield that's as good as this. It's a little bit rare, especially for guys that are not going to be playing the whole game. So you like you saw Penn State last year—they uh, both broke. You know, they it was like three hundred yards combined. They killed it, uh, but that was because we needed them to play all the way to the whistle, all the way through the fourth quarter. Uh, we're, we might see C.J. Stokes in the third quarter. You know what I mean? We might be getting getting deep in this one. So. Uh, side question, just while I'm thinking about it, uh, who do you think will be the first non-Roman Wilson to catch a, a, a receiving touchdown for Michigan? Because now all of a sudden, Roman's the only guy that's got touchdowns. Who do you think it's going to be?
1: Oh my God, man! I, I, uh, my heart wants to go with Cornelius, but I'm feeling Tyler Morris for some reason. You know, he had a, a decent. First game back, we uh, uh, didn't see too much of him uh, in game one, or maybe not at all. I can't really remember. Uh, If we did, it was briefly. But uh, a resounding appearance in week two for Tyler Morris. Really happy to see him getting some action. I think that he's going to be a dangerous option uh, in some slot formations. So I really think that there's a good chance of him getting into the end zone with Just the type of uh, plays and throws that J.J. is making, I think that it's likelier that we see something to him. Uh, Cornelius, although, has been very uh, effective in different creative ways so far. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But that's just a a crazy question to be asking as a Michigan fan right now, uh, week two into the season, that uh, a Michigan receiver is – Kind of the primary target on this Michigan team this season with five touchdown catches. So I feel a bet
0: coming on. So here's the bet. You get Tyler Morris and Cornelius Johnson. I'll take Colston Loveland and Donovan Edwards. The first person to catch a touchdown that's not Roman Wilson wins the bet. I feel like that's pretty even, actually. I'll take a running back and a tight end. You got two receivers. Um, are you willing to make that bet? Are you
1: in? That's pretty, that's a pretty good bet. I'll take that. At first, when you said both of those names, I thought you were giving me a little bit of an edge, but, uh, Colston and Dono could very easily be likely end zone targets. So that does seem pretty
0: fair. I'll take that. Well, and that's the other thing about that hundred yard rushing game for Donovan is he might very well have over a hundred all purpose yards. But we've seen uh, they're going to throw him the ball four or five times. And so
1: one of these games. just for the record, I don't mean to interrupt you. Just for the record, I don't know if I got excited and said rushing yards. But 200 all-purpose yards was definitely my take for this week. I might have got a little excited and said 200 yards on the ground. I can't remember that either. But uh, uh, I think that between the two of them, we see a surpassed total of 200 yards somehow this week. Oh, I'll keep driving on
0: that. Even, even what I was saying about the rushing yards was, was I think added up to over 200. I just, I was saying that I would, I pumped the brakes on both of them surpassing a hundred rushing yards on the ground. And, uh, even that could happen. And so, all right, I'm going to take back my car screech. I wish we had that sound effect in reverse.
1: I would play it, play it right now. Look at that. I've weaseled my way into a keep driving.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You weaseled your way in there. Uh, so keep driving there. Uh, let's ask what's the deal about some situations here. So this is just an opportunity for us to ask what's the deal. Matt, what what had you saying what's the deal this week?
1: I'm going to dissect my answer here because I know that you're going to pick up the other half of it. But my, ha- my other half of my what's the deal for this week involves one Alex Orgy. Yeah. Where is my man? It's time to let Alex Orgy cook. I mean, there's been so much made of it. Even Harbaugh has said some stuff. I've just been finding myself waiting in these games. Uh, Even if it's in garbage time, I just want to see Alex Orgy cook in some way. And right now, I don't know if it's... Let me start by saying also that I don't know if it's related to some injury issue uh, in which case, if it is, I'll put my foot in my mouth. But if it's not, I mean, Davis Warren isn't playing the best. Jack Tuttle took a nasty hit, uh, but but also looked good on that carry, by the way. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Jaden Denigle, he did all right. But now seems like the perfect time to get Alex Orgy in the game and get him some reps uh, with Davis Warren not playing exactly how you'd like it to go for QB two. So I think it's just time to get Alex Orgy in the game. If he's healthy and able to, I mean, what's the deal up to this point? You know what I mean?
0: Well, and I will go ahead and, and piggyback on that. This was not my, what's the deal, but well, actually I had the first thing I wrote was what's the deal. No Alex Orgy sighting citing yet. That's in my, that's in my notes. It was the first thing I wrote. Um, Jim Harbaugh did say that there may have been a substitution error in that game in the second half. And so I don't know if that's a a slight to Mike Hart there. I don't think that's how it was meant, but um, Harbaugh did. I think Harbaugh really lo- likes Alex Orgy and wants uh, him to feel like the coaching staff is behind him. Cause this is not a guy that you want to transfer. This is a, a very talented athletic player. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to just piggyback and say, what's the deal with Davis Warren? Uh, he has, lo- we know that he's not the most athletic, like five-star talent kind of guy, but he has always looked comfortable and confident out there, especially in spring games. And he got some garbage time minutes last year. And, you know, he looks good. We all basically had come around to the thought that he would beat out Tuttle as the number two guy you know, two games into the season, it does not look like that at all. It looks like we are searching for our number two guy because Davis Warren, Davis Warren got out there and he let the turf monster trip him up in week one, uh, week two, he threw, uh, a pretty bad interception. Actually, that was, it was not a good decision. It was not a good throw. Yeah. And quite frankly, it's you can't really have a guy on the field that's doing those things. And so I still support Davis Warren. I mean, everybody makes mistakes, but it looks like that number two quarterback position is wide open. So yeah. What's the deal coaching staff? Give us some Alex orgy. I, th- I think we will see him this week. So I- I'm going to take my, what's the deal uh, a little closer to the offensive line, but it, it's, it's actually a kind of a O line slash running back situation. This is what
1: I knew you would pick up. This was my other half Go for it, buddy.
0: Well, I don't know if this is what you're thinking or not, but so when when I look at, it's Donovan Edwards related, actually. When I look at um, his stat line on the ground, it's six carries for nine yards. And that's indicative of a a little bit of a larger situation that's going on. Um, It used to be we could just line up, show, show a run formation, run anyway, up the gut. If you told me Donovan Edwards had six carries, I would tell you, well, okay, he had at least 35 yards. You know, he, he actually, in the last couple of years, surpassed Blake Corum when it comes to yards per carry. Um, so it's a little bit of a, I, I'm not worried. I think it's going to work itself out. It's just like a little bit of a, you know, so far a little bit like what's going on. What's the deal? So that's my what's the deal. I have another one, too, actually, which is probably what you're thinking of. But let me ask you, what's the deal with this yards per carry with Blake and Donovan, specifically Donovan Edwards?
1: You know, I I was kind of griping to my Mason and brew editor about this because you'd love to see the offensive line fo- firing on all cylinders, just picking up right where they left off last season. and I've kind of been brought back down to earth to the perspective of that. What we saw ending the season at the end of last season is not reality. You know what I mean? Um, Not that it wasn't reality for the majority of last season. It's just that these are different circumstances. The offense is running entirely different. It's going to take three or four games to kind of figure out how this offensive line is, what they're good at, how well they work together. I will say, and I'll just take it a step further, and I'm just going to throw another what's-the-deal out there. We were kind of led to believe uh, not just Alec or Alex Orgy would be seen uh, this past week, but also Ladarius Henderson, Trent A. Jones yeah. – those guys were seen. They did receive snaps in both weeks one and two, uh, specifically Trent A. Jones. He's been kind of like the sixth man out there. But, uh, you know, what's the deal with not a whole lot of Ladarius Henderson and Trent A. Jones getting a crack at uh, starting minutes after uh, kind of a showing in week one where there was a lot to improve upon and take away from? So I would just say, what's the deal? We were kind of uh, thinking there would be more of a Michigan method with those extra tackles, uh, and that they would get more of a crack in real time. But instead, we see uh, the same same formation of uh, of Miles Hinton, Carson Barnhart, and the rest of the guys in there. Uh, what what's the deal with that? Yeah, that was my other what's
0: the deal that I I, I figured that's what you were referring to, kind of hinting at and it's it's mostly what's the deal with Ladarius Henderson, right? Because we kind of knew that Carson Barnhart was going to start. Miles Hinton starting over Ladarius Henderson is a little bit of a curveball. So we know Ladarius Henderson can play premier D1 football. He's a he's a hell of a player. So I I think it might just be a matter of there's a lot of talented guys on this O line, and maybe it's more of a positive sign with Miles Hinton. Maybe maybe it's just like he's playing that well because they did come out and say, I believe the coaching staff came out and said, um, I think it was Harbaugh himself actually said Miles Hinton, Carson Barnhart have earned those starting positions. It's not it's no longer like Michigan method. We're trying things out. It's like those are the guys, and so you've got from left to right. Miles Hinton, um, you, you know Keegan and Zinter are are your guards. You got Drake Nugent in the middle, and then on the right side you've got Carson Barnhart. So that appears to be your starting offensive line.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's definitely a very interesting situation, um, and it's almost kind of ass backwards for me because I predicted. The offensive line at the start of the before the season started as being exactly what it is now with Barnhart and Hinton so uh it's just kind of got me going what's the deal uh that Ladarius Henderson isn't getting more of a run not really that I so much think that it's a, a bad decision to go with the same lineup but more so just why what ha- aren't these guys doing to get more of a uh, crack at it, especially Trente, having the experience that he has. But you know, uh you go with what Coach Harbaugh says. And if he says that Barnhart and Hinton are are outplaying those guys, then that must be the case.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those situations where it's just trust the staff, trust Sharon Moore, trust the players. It'll all shake out. Uh it is just interesting because we're seeing some plays that are a little atypical for that offensive line. They're struggling at times when we wouldn't expect them to. And then you look at a couple of those new names that we didn't expect to necessarily be starting. And so the next logical question is, well, shouldn't we try some other combinations? Maybe that's what's going on. But I think it comes down to just trusting the coaching staff. Uh, anyway, we've exhausted the O-line conversation. Let, let's move on to some Big Ten stuff man let's get into the big 10 games we know Michigan beat UNLV 35 to 7 Ohio State beat Youngstown State 35 to 7 um Ohio State looked like they struggled a little bit early though any comments
1: on the Buckeyes very interesting the Buckeyes this season it just seems like they're just fighting for their lives to prove something to everybody right now uh and you love to see it. (laughs) I mean, what else can you really say about it? Uh, They just don't seem as though they have that ability to just take the top off a defense the way that they always have. Uh, You can definitely see that. You can see a little bit of flash at times from their quarterbacks, but nothing at all what you've experienced in years past with other OSU quarterbacks of history. I mean, they're those guys are usually firing on all cylinders by the second game of the season. They've got it locked and loaded, ready to make a national championship run. And right now it just seems like they're doing everything that they can to turn in a 35 to seven uh win over Youngstown State, which uh I mean you look to the game at Michigan as a point of comparison, Michigan resting most of its starters uh at a very agreeable time in that second half whereas ohio state deep in the game has all of their starters in trying everything that they can to run up the score on this abysmal opponent where michigan's just kind of playing with its food you know what i mean kind of trying to figure things out in the second half so very interesting situation. Definitely not overlooking them at this point, but they're definitely not what we're used to seeing.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, and on a bit of a more serious note, our of other rival that we love making fun of and poking fun at, uh, the Michigan State Spartans, uh, they're going through quite a serious and tumultuous situation this week. So, uh, since Game day on Saturday, uh, it, a story broke where Coach Mel Tucker was involved in a bit of a scandal where uh, the accusation is that he, uh, you know, did some very inappropriate things. I, you know, we 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 don't need to get into all that on this show, but he was involved in some some uh, phone sex and sexual harassment with somebody that is a rape survivor. She came out and and accused him of, uh, quite frankly, you know, se- sexual harassment and, and uh, very inappropriate behaviors. Mel Tucker says that that didn't happen. Um, it has a, a, a different explanation for what happened. It sounds, honestly, for a lot of us that are observing it, it's very uncomfortable because it feels like he's victim shaming and, and victim blaming, which, uh, you know, just he's kind of an aggressive guy, and it's, it's a very bad look. Uh, Michigan State has parted ways with Mel Tucker, which was just a, a huge shocker that just kind of un- unraveled all in about a 24 hour span. Um, and it, it appears as though Mel Tucker is has coached his last game at Michigan State. And two years into a uh, you know, 90 plus million dollar 10 year contract, it's it's pretty incredible to see that this that this has happened. And so Matt, uh, I don't know if you want to uh, just offer some some surface-level insights on this egregious situation that's unfolding in East Lansing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just a very uh, awkward and shameful cloud that's kind of hovering uh, beside the Big Ten right now. Uh, you hate to see it so early in the college football season. Uh, definitely not a laughing matter. Uh it's just it's just a bad look all around. You know, you see people going back and forth about it on Twitter. There are certain accounts that like to use this kind of stuff as rivalry fodder to uh, go back and forth amongst each other. But at the end of the day, like I myself have no desire to engage in really any type of conversation involving stuff that mel tucker did or didn't do on in the late hours of the night on the phone with with a, a woman and then he puts out this press release that is just as embarrassing in, in which he references jim harbaugh so all around just a extremely bad look that you can't get away from fast enough and that's really all there is to it i haven't mentioned, interacted with, done anything, because it's just one of those situations where you look at it and you just have no desire to even talk about it and kind of just hope it goes away so you can get back to enjoying football without all the stupid drama.
0: Yeah, I love when bad things happen to Sparty. You know, that's like one of my one of my simple pleasures in life is when bad things happen to Sparty but this is not one of those situations it doesn't feel good you know i don't feel justified or vindicated by this unfolding in fact i feel really bad for a lot of their fans there's a lot of there's a lot of really good people uh that follow michigan state you know i i'm we're friends with some of them online we like to talk shit to each other and uh it's just sad because their whole football season you know 2 weeks in has become not about football and uh, I love when they get blown out on the football field, and we get to shame them for that. But uh, it's just unfair to all of the people that are living their lives the right way that just happen to be Spartan fans. Um, and it's really unfortunate for the players too, because we we know there's a couple knuckleheads on that team. Uh, we don't love the way Mel Mel Tucker built his culture. I mean, as Michigan fans, we're critical of that already, but. There's a lot of young men on that team that are just genuinely good people, and now they're they're kind of getting dragged through this really uncomfortable situation. And um, then you
1: see, and then you see uh, Michigan State bringing back guys like D'Antonio to be some kind of associate head coach or something, uh, and you just see him moving the chess pieces around, and the whole situation, man, it's just. Uh, just not a good look. You know, you hate to see it happening yeah. in your own conference. Uh, like you, I hate when good, when bad stuff happens to Sparty, uh, especially on the football field. But this is just one of those things that you don't like to see. And it's just lame.
0: You know, I'm going to ask you a question and I'm, I'm going to, I hope, I hope we get an honest answer out of you. So Mark D'Antonio. I hate him. I hate him with a passion, you know? Like, I do not like that man. Uh, He's back involved with the Michigan State program. Is there a little piece of you that gets nervous
1: about that? Uh, If I'm being totally transparent, I mean, it's kind of exciting a little bit. Uh, You know, I think that since Tuck uh, tried to come... (laughs) no definitely no pun intended (laughs) uh, since tuck uh arrived at the at the university i just don't think that the rivalry has really been what it what we're used to it being and that's not to say that it wasn't competitive in nature during that time or or uh, anything like that but it just wasn't the same as, as the D'Antonio days where, where we were beefing with them. So in a way, I think I'm a little bit excited to see how that turns out, but also just kind of like, how does that make sense a little bit? But I mean, that's a whole different discussion as for like the, the surroundings of like him coming back and how you view that just as a thing. (laughs) But, uh,
0: it's so weird. All of it's just like this bizarro world that just started to unfold in front of us. So I, I wouldn't say it makes me nervous, but there's a piece of me that's just like, ah, oh, man, like we had that guy behind us, you know? So, so he, he did a really good job rallying the troops after Mike Hart made that little brother comment years ago. And then Michigan state had some success against us and they had some grit and, I despised everything about D'Antonio, and I, I just, I, I really don't want them to kind of reemerge with that chip on their shoulder. Uh, I don't think that they're talented enough this year for D'Antonio to make that much of a difference. Uh, But you know, bring it on. I'm, I'm with you. Bring it on. I like it. It's, it's one of those things for the sport. Damn it. It's a good narrative, that's for sure. It's a good narrative. Uh, Elsewhere in the Big Ten. Penn State beat Delaware 63 to 7. That means absolutely nothing. Uh Indiana beat Indiana State 41 to 7. That means absolutely nothing. Now here's something that means something. Uh Illinois got dismantled by Kansas. So Kansas appears to be pretty good again this year, which uh that quarterback they have, that's not surprising. Uh the fighting Brent Bielamas are, you know. Crying while eating their steaks and, and garlic bread at, at home. Um, I don't think Illinois is very good this year. It appears that
1: they are not. No, it doesn't seem that way at all. A very close escape in week one, but it's really starting to appear that the Chase Brownless fighting Illini are not what they were last year. Uh, you know, elsewhere in the Big Ten East, excuse me, West
0: uh Wisconsin got beaten, you know, pretty handily 31 to 22 by Washington State. And so it's starting to look like Iowa led by Cade McNamara with their typical like 20 to 13 wins. Like they're going to win every game by, you know, you know, 6 points or something. It looks like Iowa might be the the contender or at least the favorite to win the Big Ten West, and did you hear Cade McNamara's comments where he was kind of giggling and saying, like, oh, I'm not used to a defense scoring points, right? And it's like, oh, did you forget about when Michigan's defense scored points for you there, buddy?
1: Yeah, I look at Cade forgetting where he came from, and I almost reserved my what's the deal for Cade, but I didn't want to give him the, the time of day. Just because I've been a huge uh, fan of the guy this whole time. Not really a fan, but I have been a guy that is that has not dogged on Cade like a lot of other people have. So I was a little bit salty about it. I may or may not have tweeted out Cade managed Amara uh, out of a little bit of anger about the situation. But ultimately, you know, I think that it just makes... The potential matchup of Cade versus the Michigan Wolverines in the Big Ten Championship—all that more exciting. Uh, may happen, may not happen. But man, if the, if it does happen and Michigan is in a position to uh, where they they can get to the playoff after taking care of business in that situation, I mean Hollywood—you've got to make a movie. Out of this three-year run by Michigan, if that's what happens, I'm just saying. So uh, think about me when that's happening. But until that time, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep hoping that we see Cade in that Big Ten championship.
0: You know, another Big Ten game that stuck out to me: Maryland beat uh, Charlotte 38 to 20. And I went ahead and scrolled through. You mean Michigan too? Yeah, Michigan, baby Michigan. So Biff Pogies over there coaching Charlotte. We love Biff. He's he's our he's our guy for sure. I looked at the leading tacklers, and uh, Nakai Hill Green had six tackles, and uh, Iyabi Oki-Anoma had six tackles as well. I guess he decided to go with both last names. Where last year with us, he he went from Anoma to Oki, so I think he's he's got both of them. So. Anyway, we're so going to lose Michigan the ability Bulgarians to keep are...
1: track of that guy pretty soon.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're not going to know what it. To... He'll just be the the player formerly known as Yabi. Um, Yabi. So anyway, yeah, we saw. You know who's looking tough? Who? And I, I, it kind of makes me nervous because I hate I hate playing these guys. Uh, Rutgers. Rutgers is looking kind of good. Um, I just now I'm looking. So they beat Temple. 36 to 7, which usually wouldn't mean anything, but they have already dismantled Northwestern. And then Northwestern actually played decent against UTEP. And so keep an eye on that Rutgers game. I mean, that's a team that always comes out ready to play and makes me a little bit nervous. So keep I'm an just eye on that. Then- I
1: feel like Rutgers, they just always start out hot. They just always win like their first four games somehow. Them and Maryland, I think uh, both of those programs always come out handling business. Uh, A little bit of hype starts to go their way as far as the Big Ten is concerned. And then they get totally flattened in conference play, or at least Rutgers does. So hopefully that's what we see uh, in week four against Michigan. But to be continued on that.
0: Agreed. We will see
1: um and then a, re- a perfect segue
0: from Big 10 to the national stage Nebraska got whooped by the fighting prime times the Dion's, you know they the colorado buffaloes came out and beat nebraska excuse me 36 to 14 it appears that colorado is real and it appears that nebraska is once again not so i'm i'm not as concerned about playing in lincoln as i was preseason. I've I've talked a lot about uh how that game made me a little nervous. I don't think Matt Rule is gonna have these guys ready to play this year. I think they're a year or two away. Uh but on the national stage, Colorado appears to be real. Matt, do you think they can compete for a Pac-12 championship in the final
1: season of the Pac-Twelve as we know it? Man, somebody get that Matt Rule mask off of Scott Frost's face. I'm tired of seeing it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh,
1: I I don't know what to think about this whole Dion thing, man. I hated, I kind of hated seeing him beat up on Nebraska. It's almost like watching a, a bully beat up on your little cousin. You know what I mean? I uh, I didn't enjoy it particularly. You kind of find yourself in a strange way rooting for Colorado in a little bit, but also not rooting for them in a little bit. So I'm just kind of caught in the middle of uh, this underdog story where I think that it's interesting that they continue to keep winning these games despite the preseason over-under, but also just kind of resenting it at the same time. So that's where I'm at. I'm just kind of meh about the whole thing. Yeah, I just I don't love the fact that Bryce Underwood is
0: gonna go visit Colorado. I don't know if you heard that, but if Dion steals Bryce Underwood from us, I, this whole Dion thing will not be so fun all of a sudden. Uh, but I tell you what, that yeah, let's just wrap up the show with uh, probably the biggest game of the week. Very surprising, in in my opinion, Texas knocks off Alabama in a game that I think basically everybody except for Alabama fans was hoping would turn out this way. Uh, even Texas haters, I think, were glad to see Bama go down. It looks like Texas might be real. They uh, played some good defense. Quinn Ewers played pretty well. Uh, Alabama has some things they need to clean up. Their, their uh, quarterback, Milro definitely has some things to clean up. But Texas dismantles Alabama, shoots up to number four, I believe, in the AP poll. And so Texas has basically one of the better tracks to the college football playoff as, as any team in the country. At this point, they've, they've got to run through the Big 12, which traditionally they like to lose to a team like Kansas State or something like that. But Texas this year could, in fact, make a run. Do you think, Are you are you drinking the burnt orange Kool-Aid or not
1: not so fast i am not but it's really only because they're threatening man uh and, and not just them but there's a triumvirate you know that's one of my favorite words there's oh a yeah triumvirate that is threatening right now uh and and you've seen it in a lot of like the espn fpi stuff and all of that good stuff but uh Florida State, Notre Dame, Texas. Three programs that are looking a little threatening right now, Mike. I, uh, I wouldn't say that I'm worried just yet, but I'm on notice after seeing what they've done the last two weeks against um, some, some good competition, some not so good competition. We'll see for some others pretty soon Uh, cough cough Notre Dame versus Ohio State but I don't know man I think Texas looked really good I think Florida State is looking pretty good and uh, and I think Notre Dame's looking pretty good so and then there's USC who who I'm not really as scared of as those three but uh, you know a lot was made in the preseason about how Uh, like Michigan's got a pretty open path to a national championship this year. I'm not saying that all those possibilities still don't exist, but it's not going to be a cakewalk. There's a lot of good good football teams out there this year that people kind of saw coming at the beginning, but are really kind of proving their case through this first couple weeks.
0: Well, you know, I believe that Michigan will make the college football playoff. I believe we're a team of destiny, and I— I don't want to <clears throat> talk about that too much. I'm, I'm too superstitious to even talk about that. I'm just, you know, I'm going to enjoy one game at a time. I have respect for all these other teams. But you know what you do when life gets scary, Matt? You place your your trust in your higher power. And so for me, I'm doing that. I'm placing my trust in J.J. McCarthy My higher power, Julius (laughs) James. Not to get too religious at the end of the show here, but (laughs) uh, you know I'm placing my faith in JJ McCarthy here, and so that the only team that I just cannot lose to in the national championship in Houston is the Texas Longhorns. I will not. I will not let that happen. I was born and raised in Austin, Texas, surrounded by. Texas Longhorns as uh, you know a, a mason blue bleeding Michigander down here, and uh, I just will not have the Longhorns defeat us down here in in
1: Houston. Well, trust me, I am not a believer that this is going to happen. But you just see, man, you just see these expert experts and analysts coming in already giving them more credit than us because uh, of their output and statistics and things like that it sucks so uh, i hate to see it i hope they stumble and fall sooner rather than later because i'm already sick of them being hot on our ass well vegas still has michigan as
0: the second best odds to win a national championship which has actually improved since i the hear they know up.
1: ball over there in vegas
0: Vegas doesn't play around. Vegas knows ball. I mean, that's where the money, you got to follow the money when you want to know what's going on. So here's here's what a, a dog shit show ESPN FPI is right now. They've got Alabama ranked number one currently. I'm talking about after week two, a 500 Alabama team, a one in one Alabama team that just got defeated at home the second week of the season they have alabama ranked number one and so you lose all credibility when that happens like i don't know if you need to go fix your computers or whatever your whatever data you're inputting to spit out that answer is just flat out wrong and so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give espn fpi the time of day Vegas vegas says georgia number one michigan number two Texas is nipping on our heels though. Vegas likes Texas all of a sudden. So that is definitely a team to keep an eye on.
1: Couldn't agree more, buddy. I think Michigan still handles business at the end of the day. We won't dwell too much on it. I just hope we see some upsets there.
0: Yes, indeed. Well, that about does it for our show. That's a good, a good stopping point where we've Kind of painted a picture of what the college football playoff might look like and what teams it might include. Uh, If all goes according to plan, uh, the universe will leave Michigan in that top four when it's all said and done. Uh, Matt, where can people follow you if they want to get to know you better and and see your content?
1: Absolutely, buddy. They can follow me on my main Twitter handle, at mazecrusader. Or uh, any of the great content that me and my buddies are putting out at Maize and Brew, uh, that's also masonbrew What about you, Mike?
0: You can catch me on Twitter at Wolverine uh, YouTube is at Wolverine Chronicle, and of course, there's wolverinechronicle.com. I'm always putting out articles there. Uh, also, if you're a, a listener of the of the pod and you're not subscribed, uh, do us a favor: get out your phone. Subscribe to the Big House Bleachers podcast so you never miss an episode. Leave us a five star review. We'd love We'd love your feedback. We'd love to know what you think about the show. Uh, thank you. We will be back next week. Uh, I think I'm going to reach out to Jared and Andy from the Out of the Blue Pod and see if they'll see if they'll hop on with us next week. We got to get get them on a show soon. So we'll be back next week with more Michigan content. As always, go blue. Go blue.